Hey, welcome back everyone to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, recording here from the Blatt Beer and Table in Ooh. North Downtown Omaha with Emily Cohen. Emily, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm so now, excited. Yeah, now you said this was the first time, This you just you just got done speaking at AIG Nebraska. Yep. Right? You said this is the first time you actually were speaking at a bar. Yep. This is probably not the first podcast we've, we've done in a bar, though. So <laughs> no, we, really? You've done many. Probably. Oh, that's really I, funny. They, yeah. it, it, but it might be the first podcast we've done in a bar that does not involve beers oh, yeah. all around. The yeah, there place. was no alcohol at this event that I saw. I know it's really funny. I was like, I've never spoken in a bar. It's always there's always a first time. But I have spoken to drunken people, but just they weren't at a bar. Right. <laughs> they right. had an open bar at the event for an hour before I spoke. Yeah, so, that that happens. That was funny. <laughs> I did. I did see one one person drinking in the back, and they said they ordered, and then they realized they looked around. And they're like, "Oh, is not everyone doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, always drink first. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, your talk was moving beyond referrals. Yep. And 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 you're you're, you're on like a whole speaking tour because you, last time we spoke, you would you just. I think you had just announced the Kickstarter. I think the Kickstarter was still on. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. So on on your brutally honest book. And since then, your book has come out, and yep. now you're and now you're touring, and people can still get this book. Like if yep. they missed out on the Kickstarter, where do they where do they go? Yeah. Well, first of all, I sold out already, so I'm reprinting. Oh. Which is crazy. I sold out really quickly, so I sold out two thousand books, and it's being reprinted. I'm getting them on next Friday. Woohoo! So you can get them at my website, emilycohen.com, or at the self-publishing site, booksellersdaughter.com. And they will be available. They are available for pre-sale, and I'll be shipping them out as soon as I get them, probably next week. And this this isn't like, like, like it's not like a print-on-demand book where you went through like a blurb no. where you could just order it. This is like nine custom spot yeah. colors or something ridiculous. It is. It's nine colors, uh, five PMS, four PMS colors, and the rest is, you know, whatever. And it's got like, yeah. It was very expensive to print. And, you know, Mohawk paper, it's like fancy paper. and So so when you have to reorder, it's not like you can say, like, hey, I just want to reorder, like, 100 copies. No. You, you've got to reorder. you got to reorder, yeah. it's a, I designed it specifically, or I didn't design it. The firm that I hired once, Future Office um, in Brooklyn did. We designed it specifically so it was something designers would read and love and hold. It's like an object. Designers really care about what they own. And if they're going to buy a physical book, which I wanted them to do, I wanted it to be like really beautiful. So I put the money into it, which makes it more expensive to produce and to buy, which is why I can't sell it through a publisher because they'll never pay what I pay for the printing. Well, it shows. Yeah. It shows. And it's weird because like, I mean, even back in art classes, like, it's like, why are my textbooks more? And you're like, oh, because they're full color photos. (laughs) Yeah. It's not printed on newsprint. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's heavy to print because the paper is thicker. There's a lot of things that makes it a little bit more kind of an exclusive book, but I'm really proud of it, and people have loved it, so I'm really happy. Yeah, I, I actually was was fortunate enough to be able to judge the uh, advertising awards or be one of the judges for the advertising awards in Madison like mm-hmm. a month ago. And so I, I had a plane trip, so I was able to thus read the whole, read the oh, yeah. I actually read it. On the plane? Believe it or not. Well, I'm waiting for planes. <laughs> See, now you somehow got a direct flight here to Omaha. Yeah. But, but the truth is, to come visit Omaha from the vast majority of cities, and by vast majority, I mean all but maybe like six, <laughs> there is always a layover. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And I'm assuming Madison might be the same way. Okay. And so that means your layover is maybe two hours. Yeah. 
not 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 a 45 minute walk. Yeah, I'd much prefer a two hour because I feel like it's safer. Like I just had a half an hour layover because I was going. To, I spoke in Rapid City, South Dakota, last week, and I, I there was no direct flight, so I had to fly into Denver, and I had literally like a 30 minute layover, and I was from one airport end of the airport to the other. So I'm like like sprinting, you know, with my suitcases. Oh, it's crazy, and I just made it by the hair of my teeth, whatever that expression is. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I hate layovers. And everyone's looking at you when you walk on the plane because they're like, she's the reason we haven't taken yes, off exactly. 30 seconds before. Exactly. We could have been in line <laughs> behind the other six I jets by now. I definitely got some evil stares, definitely. Yeah, because I was the last person on the plane. It was my fault, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to be right back and we're going to talk, uh, talk about your your moving beyond referrals. Good. So part of the book, and, and it's a large part, and I'm assuming it's, it's part of the book everybody wants to know about, is how do you get more work as, yep. a, as a creative? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's part of your speaking tour is about moving beyond referrals. Yep. Because in, in your case, you said only you said 20, 25% of our work should be referral-based. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on if the referrals you're getting are qualified and the ones you want. Most of us rely on referrals, and then they allow those clients to drive the direction of our business. So... The percentage, I don't mind the percentage. I just think that no more than 50% should be referral-based because you want to constantly go after and kind of groom the kind of clients you're working for. That's why you constantly have to be doing new business or building relationships so that you can get the kind of work you want and that you deserve. And how do you find out what kind of work do you want? First of all, you have to specialize. Okay, and, that's, so, and, that's, and that you call that a dirty word. Yes. Because <laughs> every time I say it, designers hate that word, absolutely hate it. It's like I'm just saying the worst word in the world. But I want it to be like, it is about specialization. You're going to hear this from every consultant. And you're not going to find a consultant that doesn't say this because it's is, really is important. Is that like every SEO person telling you to write a blog? Yeah. The, you, you hear the same advice? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And in this case, I like to be different, but I also want to give advice that's effective. And without specialization and you're just a generalist, you're kind of just like rambling around and you're not knowing where to go. And so you have no place to start. And what specialization does is allows you a place to start and focus your business efforts. And it gives you just an area. And how you choose that is really entirely up to you. You can look at the work that you're currently doing and saying, what's the work that I'm doing? Is there themes? Is there an industry that I seem to be working for that I didn't realize? Or the, is there a way I can unify this work? And also, it's about following passions. Like, I, you know, I mentioned during the talk that I had a client that was obsessed with home brewing. Like, he knew everything about yeast, and he went after the craft brewer market. You know, even though it was a saturated market, he knew so many people in the market because he's won all these home brew awards. Is that one of those things, if, if the market is saturated, but you specialize, you're saying you can still, you can still get in there, but, yeah. but if you didn't specialize in that, there's probably yeah. no chance. Exactly, because if you're a generalist and you're up against a specialist, they're most likely going to choose somebody that knows their industry really well. Every once in a while, and a lot of designers say this, well, I want clients that want fresh thinking. The problem is most people say they want fresh thinking, but they also want somebody that knows their industry, so you don't have to relearn everything. So I think it's a combination. I think you absolutely can do fresh thinking, but most clients are not looking for fresh thinking. They're looking for somebody who knows their industry, and they're willing to pay more for that knowledge. Now, how, when you're talking about industry, like how specific do you think we should specialize? Because way yeah. back in college, the place I worked for, um, we're specializing in, I think it was, um, was it like motorhomes or something? Oh, wow, that's really specialized. Okay. Well, it was one of one of the industries they right. were hitting because they basically they had a client. Okay. And, and they're like, well, we want to get, we have a client. I think there was a fifth wheel. 
which which means that you attach it to a truck. Okay. And they're like, and I think they might have had a non compete, and then they realized that hey, we're going to the same conferences, right? And we're and we got a lot. We're gaining expertise in this market. So what we need to do is find basically the same client, but one where the engine's built in because they're not really direct. Right. No, that's kind of smart. But is that like so? That was their goal. I don't know if it worked out. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I think it. You're going to choose something. How now you get is what I look for is places where those people gather. So if there's a conference or a podcast and or an online blog or some kind of online publication where these people read, gather, then that's your market. Like, Just find a market. So what you do is you identify the market and research and say, is that, is that something? So I'm, I'm assuming there's this whole industry about people that support motorhomes. Maybe there's around manufacturers that support in that industry, you know. So I think that was kind of smart because I bet there's an, there's an association for that, a conference for that. So that's that's not that's not a bad then. So so if you find either a conference or a blog or whatever, see how broad they get. Yes. And that's pretty much a that's considered a specialization. Yeah. If you can find you, what you want to do is know where they gather what they read so that you can reach out and show that you have an expertise and interest in theirs. Like you want to meet these people who are interested in the same thing or involved in the same thing. So I was talking when I was speaking that when I was at a design conference one year, in the same hotel, there was a bacon growers conference, like crazy. Bacon growers. Yeah, it was called bacon growers, which I don't know how you grow a pig, but whatever. It's called bacon growers conference. And I'm like, well, if there's a bacon growers conference, there's gotta be a conference for pretty much everything. One of my clients specializes in law firms, right? Legal marketing. And there's a legal marketing association, an LMA. You know, she started off her career by just joining the LMA and going to meetings. Then she joined a committee. Then she ran the committee. Then she spoke at committee meetings. Then she did some local events. Then she went regional. And then she spoke nationally. And over time, she's built a lot of people in this legal space. And now she's known as the firm that does legal marketing. Now, when you're specializing like that, does that mean you can only do bacon growing? No. Or does that mean you can do bacon growing and legal marketing? Yeah, yes. Like, or is it is it good to have your specializations be that far off? Or yeah. should those overlap in some way? That's a really good question. So I do recommend that you pick three to four. Three no, to four. Three to four. They don't always have to be related. So a lot of my clients want them to be related because they designers need that kind of like unifying force. And so you could try to think if there's a way to relate, but sometimes you don't have to. You could just have separate parts of your site that say, you know, bacon growers go here, motor people go here. It would be nice if it looked all something that there was common thinking around it. Like you work with, I don't know, a certain kind of audience, like you work with, I don't know. But if you can think of a way to unify these kind of audiences, that's better. But I think three to four, because usually one of the industries is not doing well at one point. You want to just be dependent on one industry because then you can get hit very greatly by that. So like when you were doing technology in the whatever time when we had the the bubble burst, that anybody that was focused on technology got screwed. I, I remember when I was uh, like in junior high, when I was the, my cousin was in California, and there's a grocery store and an electronics store that were named the same. Really? I think it was like Fry's or something. Uh-huh. Because the the person wanted an electronics store, but he knew it was a very volatile market. Uh-huh. So he started one up, but then he also started up a grocery store because he knew it was a stable market, but the margins were less. Yeah. And so he just ran two businesses they obviously weren't under the same roof yeah maybe it'd be cooler if they were but they were not and then that was that was their idea yeah yeah i think you can do anything i have a client right now that does specialize in kind of grocery stores i don't know what that market is but they work with a lot of the bigger grocery stores and then as a result they're working through those vendors as well so the people that sell the grocery stores and there's a big market for it 
and they're able to say we're food experts without being in the restaurant space with, with, where there's no money. Sure. You know, so I've seen, and I, every work, time I work with my clients, I see different specializations, and I'm always amazed by what people are interested in. Like I had one client, I think I mentioned this, who's a tattoo artist. He had an employee that was a BMX person, and they really liked the idea of subculture. Basically, they were very interested in the subculture. So we decided to specialize in subculture, even though it really wasn't, they didn't have work in it, but they were interested in tattoos. One was a tattoo artist, one was a BMX, and they're thinking, we can just use our passions and go after that. And that was great. There's a whole market for it. And they could talk their language. And so, 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 they, so there was a relationship between their different markets in one yeah. way or another. Yeah, so that was the unifier. And the other thing, the other thing I loved in your book was you had you had the, the multiple pages of just excuses that you hear. <laughs> That's my favorite part of writing. And, and it's and it's because being a consultant and and you obviously have done a good job of just hitting like the creative market. You obviously yep. have your my specialization. Your specialization. Not yep. saying that that's all you do, but that is is it. You said everything's with an eighty twenty rule, so that's yep. probably your eighty. Yeah. What 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 would be the the eighty twenty on the uh, excuses? Like, what's the one you hear the most? It depends on what we're talking about. So with new business, I would say I I hear this quite a lot. Two things: I don't like cold calling, and I'm an introvert. Has anyone ever said they like cold calling? Um, I actually had a client yesterday who said they felt comfortable with it. Comfortable. With I don't think they said they love it, but they felt comfortable with it. But I'm not telling them the cold call. I remember talking to a guy that did marketing for a funeral home, like, this was like years ago. Yeah. And he said, he said, you've never cold called until you've tried to, like, cold call, like, uh, it was, like, um, insurance policies oh. for your funeral, like, yeah. funeral insurance policies. He goes, that's cold yeah. calling. My son, he's uh, 22, 23, he is in politics. Okay. And so for the, um, camp, the midterm elections, he was going, he was working in Arizona for the Democratic Coordinated Campaign going door to door, door to door, knocking on doors. He's done this for two years now with different campaigns. He literally knocks on doors and he loves it. I don't know where this kid came from. Wow. And he loves it and he likes when people like argue with him and debate with him and he likes talking to people. He can talk to random strangers. So my son is essentially cold calling, you know, just through doors. And I'm like, how do you do that? And I love, I love talking to people. I can't do that. I'm like so impressed that he does that. Okay. So, so the excuse is, I don't like cold calling. What do you tell them? What yeah, do you say when it's they, not what? cold calling. Okay. Because we're not, we always try to warm, building, getting new business is about trust and building relationships and building what I call the love. Like I talk a lot about building the love, which means that you have to somehow reach out to people authentically that, that you know or have met or have read something they've written or have saw them speak. So there's some warmth to it. And you're just introducing yourself. If you think of it as cold calling, it stops you from doing it. But if you say, hey, I read your book, it was really interesting, I'd love to chat. Or, I saw you speak and we have so many things in common. Or, you know, I've heard your name at so many different events and I feel like we have the same friends. Right? People want to meet you. I do that all the time. When I see people at, like, at conferences all the time and I've never met them, I'm like, I'll go up to them and say, hey, I think we have the same friends. My name's Emily. I know about your firm. I've always admired it. I know we have similar circles we travel in. And it works all the time and I'm not doing it inauthentically. Like, I'm not really doing to sell. I'm doing it to just build relationships because I know that if you, part of selling, and I, and I put that in quotes, you can't hear that on the podcast, but I'm putting it in quotes, which is, you know, you're not selling, you're building relationships, which takes two years. So from when they meet you to when you, they turn into clients, it usually takes two years. So if you sell, you think selling takes immediate. Like it's, I, I meet them, they should give me new business. But if you think I mean, about that's relationships. That's how I buy groceries. Yeah. I go in. <laughs> 
pick up a stake, I buy the stake, I leave. Yeah, but that's not how you do do business. Okay. It's like you just build a relationship, you met them, you stay in touch with them, and eventually over two years or longer, they'll turn into clients. But it means you have to be patient and stay in touch with these people. And, and to be fair, everything is kind of generalized. There are some that, that will buy it right away, but it's usually a yes. smaller project. I think it's more about expectations. Look, if you put out the expectation that they have to call you, and you, then you give up hope, and you stop new business. But if you just say, I need two years, and if something happens in between, that's even better. But it's the exception, not the, the standard. Yes. And, and, and I know we talked about this a couple years ago, and it's, it's true. Like, yeah. The, the big clients, you just... Or the better clients. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you, it, it happens a lot. Like, you have to just identify who the people are you want to work with. Like, I was telling during the talk, I talk about this a lot. But on my phone, on the notes, every once in a while, I'll add, a, like, a name of a firm I love and I've always wanted to work with. And so I have this running list... And I don't do anything with that list. It's just on my phone. But somehow the universe always introduces me to these people. And I'm like, oh, you're on my list. See, and I show them my list, and they're impressed that I have their name. And I sort of meet them. Right? Yeah. It happens. So just keep identifying all the people you want to meet, and then you'll, you'll find the opportunity. No, and, and, and that's, that's very true. So yeah. we're going to be one, back uh, with one more segment with uh, Emily Cohen. So the book, Brutally Honest, Bookseller's Daughter, yep. or EmilyCohen.com, mm-hmm. and and you're taking this thing international. I am. I'm going to Australia. How, I'm speaking in Melbourne. How do you land a conference in That Australia? was pretty kind of cool. So um, that was actually really cool. So I... Did you just type it in your notes and it just willed it to happen? Like That's exactly. Else? You just ruined my story. Oh. Did I? Yes. Oh, man. It was exactly what happened. That's really pretty <laughs> funny. I put it out to the universe. So during the Kickstarter... I had finished the Kickstarter, and I sent a thank you note to everybody, and I said, now I'm organizing my speaking tour. You know, if you want me to speak, let me know. I'm particularly interested in international conferences. And then I wrote in parentheses, hey, Aussies, are you listening? Okay, okay. And an Aussie called me the next day. Wow. The very next day and said they saw that Kickstarter update with the little hey, Aussies, and he's like, well, I run a little thing called Creative Mornings Conference in Melbourne. Wow. And I'm like, hmm. And they asked me to speak, so it's great. And I've done it. It's what's really ironic because I've done a Creative Mornings in Brooklyn when it was first early on, when Creative Mornings almost started. I was one of the first, one of the earlier speakers. And they have a rule that you only allowed one, the same speaker once. You can't use the same speaker again. So they had now, to get special permission for me to get speak to Australia. Oh, you mean okay? How many places have Creative Mornings? Oh my God, that's millions. They're all over the world. And you can't speak at more than one of them? Nope. Yeah, because they have those videos online, and so they want to have diversity of speakers across the world. Okay. And so, like, and I think some, some, they have different rules for different places, but the main rule of Creative Mornings is they really don't want to have that many speakers speak more than once. Every once in a while, they will make an exception, like mine. They made an exception. So, yeah, so I'm doing a Creative Mornings talk in Melbourne. I think that March 29th, I'm flying out to Australia March 13th, going to enjoy, I'm going to go to New Zealand for a while, personally. And then I'm also doing a workshop, a half-day workshop in Melbourne on the 28th, on that Thursday, before I speak at Creative Mornings. Well, it's not going to be a nice, I mean, you probably get a high of 15 degrees your entire stay in Omaha. Yeah. We have more snow than we've had in February in, like, I think it's 40 years now. Yep. Probably won't get that. Nope. It's going to be lovely weather. It's, it's going to be fall. It's going to be really nice. And I was just in South Dakota, so snow is nothing to me now. Like, I'm from New York. 
So it's not a big thing. Everybody keeps apologizing. I just, I'm glad there's no snowstorm so I can get home. <laughs> yeah. But we're right across. The, I mean, you, you hit the wrong time of year because where we're at, this is this is probably the biggest, busiest bar in in probably in North America for two weeks during the College of World Series, which is held across the street. Oh, right. The new sta- the stadium, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and so, so that's why that's why they have this room in the back. They have an upstairs, if you notice. That, oh, wow. And then they have the full like beer patio. It's in a perfect this, location. This is all closed for most of the year. Oh. Two weeks of the year, though, this... this it's rocking. This, yeah, like even the buildings next door, uh-huh. there and there, you'll notice they're not even open. Right. Like they don't even have tenants in them or nothing. <laughs> They just closed down for those two weeks. Yeah, that's that's also specialization. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it really is by location. Yeah. <laughs> but Blatt is actually open year round. Uh-huh. But, but I've never, other than when there's a, an event either at the at the state at the stadium or or there's the what is it the arena. Yeah. Then it'll be busy. Yeah, the arena is funny because it looks like a hospital because it says something like they just something re- health center. I'm like, so they opened it as the as, as quest the quest center and uh-huh. then quest got bought and then it was the Century Link Center uh-huh. and then and then um, it's like the Navy rights were yeah. available so Catholic Health Initiatives yeah. rebranded it Chai Health Center. <laughs> it's it. It hasn't even, I don't even think it's, it's been called that for six months now, but it is. Um, yeah, so as a tourist, I'm thinking, why is there a health center that's shaped like this? You know, like, it just was weird. I was thinking, it looks like a stadium, but I'm thinking, because I work with Drew from Oxide, and I was, he was, we had breakfast, and he was telling me the whole history of this. Well, I tell you what, you, you, you extend your stay six more days, and we're going to go see Kiss there. Oh, you are? Yeah. Kiss is playing <laughs> Thursday. Me and Tom Nemitz are going. It's going to be great. That's where they're playing. I didn't even know they're still alive. No, I do know they're it's still the alive. It's the end of the road tour, so I think it's their third reunion tour right. or retirement tour. I don't, uh-huh. I don't quite know. Right. That's so, funny. Very excited. That'll be fun. And then this place will be busy before and afterwards. Yeah, because it's a good location, yeah, because it's right near the, both of those things, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we'll enjoy Australia. Yeah, I'm excited. And if you're in Melbourne, let me speak to the workshop. Yeah, okay. For all the listeners out there in Melbourne, you've got to see Emily. you got to get a copy of her, of her nine-color book that's, yeah. that's amazing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you can tell it's well-edited because, as I said, when I read it, it didn't seem as long as it was because it, you know, the, yeah, the, the flow of the text and stuff. So, yeah. so your writing's good, and Thank your you. editor, I assume, is also... Yeah, it was Emily Potts. You know her. Oh, Emily. Emily's always good. Yeah, she kicked my butt. And also my daughter helped a lot, too. So, yeah. And you know what most people, this is the biggest compliment I hear, is that people say to me, the book is like you in a book. Like, okay. they hear my voice in the book. They're like, oh, I could see you saying that stuff. And I wanted that. I wanted the book to be like I was just chatting with you. All that's missing is it didn't come with a set of earrings <laughs> attached to it. Yes, that would have been a good idea. Yeah. And what are, what are these you're wearing today? These are, these are nice. Yeah, they're little, like, I don't know what they are. Like, little, uh, what would you call these things? But I like wearing, I'm known for my big earrings. Okay, big earrings. Big, big, colorful, bright earrings. Okay, well, they're, they're, they're not they're real, not, they're, they're, they're grayish. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. not as colorful as usual, but they're, yeah. they're very large. Yeah, but they so. go with the outfit, and that's what's important, so. I, I, you're the expert on this one? But this goes back to new business. I'm known for my earrings. People comment on my earrings. I comment on their earrings. It becomes a talking point. You know, like dudes come up to me and say, oh, I love those earrings you were wearing, like crazy. 
It's okay. pretty funny. Were they? I remember you wore those earrings last year. <laughs> 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 so it helps with new business to be recognized by something. Okay. Well, I'll, I, next time you see me, I'll be wearing a top hat or yeah. something. But dudes, it's like it. it's glasses. You know, like eyeglasses are really cool. Okay. Nice shoes. All right. Well, I, I will work on my style. Yes. And, you should do that. And, and Although you look lovely. Not I, lovely. Handsome? I, I don't even know. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Emily, thanks for having have, me have a again. great trip back and, and enjoy the snow for the last few in hours Omaha. that you get to see it. So. Yeah, I love Omaha. This is my second time here. So it's I love been it. a while. Yeah, that's when I think. It's, yeah, it's you, probably been 2003, 2004. Yeah, it's been a while. I think you even had the exact date when you emailed me. You said, I could look it up. Yeah. I could look it up. Yeah, it was because I, I did this same podcast. <laughs> No, ago. no, we did that. We did that at a oh. conference. I don't even think we didn't even have the podcast oh, when you were here. When you were before. on the chapter, and that's when I was speaking here. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, yeah. And we've been doing the podcast in like 2005. Yeah. So, so it had to have been like two before. And that. Drew was on the board, so it's 2003, 2004-ish. Oh, yeah. so. I love Drew. You have some great designers here too in the city. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable. You know, sometimes yeah. you forget that. Yeah. Because um, you just go to your office and you don't talk to anybody. Yeah, and we're such, I'm such a New York like centric person. Like when I was in Rapid City, South Dakota, I met all these great designers. Who knew? They're outside of New York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Someone from New York actually noticed. I know. Yeah. I'm noticing. I have yeah. noticed. <laughs> all right, thanks, Emily. Thanks. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.